Episode 11 of Sideline Saturdays. Oh, this is going to be good, man. I'm, enjoy- I'm going to enjoy this episode a lot because there's some little spicy things that I want to talk about uh, today. Oh, man, let me. Dang, I didn't even do my intro. I didn't do none of that. I ain't finna- Podcast going way up. Y'all already know what it is. I'm your host, Jelani Smith, 20 years old, communications major out of South Suburban College. Welcome to the 11th episode of Sideline Saturdays. Today's episode... Well, let me not start. Let me not start with that. First off, I got to give more coverage. We got to give more coverage to the Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the 49ers. That's going to be one of the best Super Bowl matchups that I've personally seen in quite some time. So I'm going to be covering that in the next like few days, probably just talk a little bit about that for the football viewers that might be out there in the world that are going to be listening to sideline Saturdays. And of course, you guys already know the you guys already know the drill. It's basketball stuff and. The first thing that I really wanted to get into today, and I'm going to talk about in the next segment, is Zion Williamson's NBA debut. There's a lot to, even though it was one game, and he played in three to six minute bursts every single quarter, not even playing a full quarter. There was a lot that I decompartmentalized from that game, broke down from that game, and I watched him closely. I watched him more closely than I've probably watched any player play basketball like I'm really rooting for the guy to do well out there but there's some things that I like some things that I didn't like that didn't necessarily concern him and some things that did concern him that I didn't necessarily like seeing but it's all we're gonna all get we're gonna get into that in the next segment uh besides Design Williamson NBA debut I also wanted to expand upon what I talked about last episode episode 10 I talked about Kyrie Irving and the unnecessary heat that he gets from uh media and I wanted to just expand not on necessarily just Kyrie, but athletes and the whole shut up and dribble, you know, phenomenon that goes on in the sports world. And it's been going on since the, the emergence of sports, ever since it started, really. And I kind of want to go into some examples, some reasons why I feel so passionately about it and why I feel like it's very dangerous to play with that rhetoric. And then the last thing I want to talk about is the All-Star Game that's going to be coming up pretty soon. I'm pretty sure it comes up in February. Yeah. All-Star Game is always celebratory. It's always fun. It's always exciting to see. I tune into All-Star Weekend, like, especially... Uh, these last few years, I haven't tuned into the All-Star Game, to be honest with you. Because the All-Star Game is kind of... You know, it's it's kind of kumsi, kumsa. You know, I, I feel as though, you know, players go out there and they're trying to just... I get it, the fans want to see it and all, but the, the, the players see it as a break, you know? But I want to talk about more along the lines of the All-Star Game rosters because I feel like the NBA is really shortchanging itself and it's shortchanging the players by not expanding the rosters to allow for more people to be on the roster because it, it doesn't make much sense to me that the NBA wants to celebrate for a weekend the NBA festivities and have the dunk contest and the three-point contest skills competition, all these different things going on. Then you have the All-Star Game, Rising Stars Challenge, yet we don't yet they won't allow for more players who deserve a spot in the all-star game just because just because there's only so many roster spots doesn't mean a person who's taken off doesn't deserve to be on the all-star team and i want to propose expanding the rosters a little bit and the reasons i feel like that's important not only for the players but for the fans in general i want to be able to um explore that a little bit so that's really what we got going on for sideline saturdays for the 11th episode all NBA talk. And I think the next episode, I want to get into the Super Bowl a little bit. Maybe get into a little bit of politics. You know, when Dakota comes back in here, we get a lot more segments of, like, broader stuff. Not just sports-centric stuff. When it's just me, I kind of just be on my sports shit the whole time. But when he gets back, 
that's gonna be big because I don't even be thinking of a whole lot of stuff to talk about outside of the sports world. I really just be going uh, through an entire thought process with the sports stuff. But it's gonna be great when he comes when he comes in and he's able to come back and we have the full sideline Saturday's team put together. We're gonna be putting together a lot of content, guys. I know that I haven't been here recently, but I want to start really just hustling and putting everything together. And having more episodes and really putting them up and marketing and things like that. Because I think I'm starting to understand kind of how this stuff works. And how to, you know, make it the best show we possibly can make it. But, enough about my little ranting on my show. Our show. Stay tuned. I'm going to be talking about Zion Williams' NBA debut on the 11th episode of Sideline Saturday. Stay tuned. And we are back on this 11th episode of Sideline Saturdays. And, uh, ooh, that apple juice was fire. <laughs> that was fire. Um, what, what am I supposed to be talking about? I'm supposed to be doing something for this show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Zion Williamson's NBA debut. That's what I'm talking about. So, this was really interesting. This is one of the most fun, like, experiences for me watching basketball that I've actually had. Just because of the... I've never in my life watching sports and watching basketball closely football closely baseball even um for a time period boxing for a time period i've never seen so much coverage and hype over a young athlete like that never seen it because i i mean by when i'm only 20 years old so when lebron james came into the league and sports illustrated at 16 years old what he was doing for saint vincent saint mary i wasn't like functioning in the brain exactly like all the way to the point where i could see what was going on um, I remember when, like, Jimmer Fredette had his running college basketball, Kemba Walker had his, his, uh, running college basketball, all the hype that they had coming in. I remember Trey Young recently when he, uh, led the, led the nation in points and assists, how much coverage he was getting every day. But even Lonzo Ball, Lonzo Ball was one of the biggest hype prospects, um, of the 2010s, 2000s, like all of it. But that experience watching him. Zion Williamson play yesterday it was one of the craziest because everything that he did on the basketball court in in, in a positive manner that the crowd just cheered for it, cheered for it. whenever he grabbed a rebound cheered whenever he made a good pass cheer whenever he put up a shot cheer like it was the craziest thing ever and I think those New Orleans people they truly 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 believe in him and of course they want to see him do well but the amount of you know like presence that he has on the basketball court when he's out there is actually incredible it's I remember the one player being able to see when I was younger, or not, I just saw him like three years ago, right before I went to college, like two, three years ago. LeBron James, when he was on Cleveland, his last year at Cleveland, they went to, they came to Chicago and they played Chicago. And the air in that building was crazy. Every time LeBron James touched the ball, boo, 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 as loud as possible. Like as loud as it, and, but as soon enough, you know, he starts hitting shots. Oh man, like it was crazy the, how he was able to control the arena, the fans, their reaction to him at all times, him being one of the greatest players to ever do it. That was one of the coolest things for me. And I feel like Zion Williamson sooner rather than later can have a similar effect on crowds like that, you know? I don't want to put too much expectations on him like the rest of everybody is doing, but I feel as though like just now, the amount of hype, the amount of popularity that he has as an athlete, not just as an NBA player, but as an athlete, it's, it's reaching like, catastrophic like crazy astronomic levels 
and he's only played one game in the NBA. Like, this is, it's insane. But um, as far as the game go, the breakdown of the game that I saw, so when he started off the game, he started off very conservative. Not really crashing the boards or looking to help over and block shots. Didn't play the first half with that relentless motor that we're all used to seeing from him. One of the things that was unique about Zion Williamson is how, how, how hard he played how much of a motor he had, how much energy he brought to the game. Whenever he dunk, whenever blocks, you know, he's he's screaming and he's yelling and he's fist pumping and all those different things. And he's going hard in for rebounds, second chance efforts, third chance efforts, the second jump, the third jump, how explosive he is after rebounds, different things like that. You didn't see that in the first half. And that's very understandable. Like some people were kind of like, oh, he's rusty and oh man, like he doesn't look the same, right? That's very understandable. He's playing his first ever game his first ever NBA regular season game near the end of January. So his debut was on January 22nd. He's near the end of January. They're about to go over to All-Star break and he's playing in his first ever NBA game and he knows everybody is watching. So the nerves are at an all-time high for a rookie, like all-time high. And the last thing here anybody else wants is for him to get hurt. So he stayed conservative, didn't really crash didn't look to block shots wasn't trying to go all out of his way he was getting his feet wet you know and he's still going to be getting his feet wet over the next few games possibly two to three weeks he'll he's getting his feet wet it might take him some time to get full confidence in his knee but there is no rush that process should not be rushed at all until you can feel fully confident in your knee don't go out of your way too much don't because we're going to see zion williamson for a long time guys I know people were complaining about the fact that he didn't get to play. He was on minutes restriction for this first game against the Spurs. And people were upset because he did, he played. <laughs> I'm going to get to that later. But the way he played in the fourth quarter, they wanted to keep him in. But let's just slow it. Keep it slow, guys, at the moment. Just don't rush the process for him. Continue to let him build up his confidence. You're going to see Zion Williamson for a very, very long time. One game, everybody will be okay if you missed one game of Zion Williamson not being able to play at full capacity. Um, I love, 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 love the advice that Giannis gave him, which is don't rush the process. Don't rush the process and feeling confident in your knee and don't rush the process overall as a player. And somebody like Giannis coming from the position he was coming from where nobody really expected too much of him. His first three years in the NBA, he was not an all-star. But throughout the, throughout that time period, he's in the gym constantly staying in the weight room working 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 getting better getting better getting better getting better getting better getting better to the player that he is now so not everybody's going to be able to develop at this crazy rate and things like that and the crazy the the, the very the very scary thing to me about what Zion Williamson is going to have to go through is the media sh machine is behind him like matter of fact like five media machines are behind him and he's only 19 years old guys he's only for as physically apt as he, for as physically like freakish he is and his passing ability and the vision and his ability to read, he's only 19 years old. So that microscope is so specific to him that, that anything he does on the basketball court will be taken out of proportion, good or bad. Anything that he does will be taken out of proportion. I remember right after the game that I watched, ESPN just coverage of Zion, coverage of Zion, coverage of Zion, co full story, coverage of Zion. And I had to turn off the TV. And it's not like I really, really, really hope that Zion Williamson can have success in the NBA. I feel like he's going to have a ton of success in the NBA. But the amount of coverage he was getting and all, I was just like, oh my God, that's too much for a 19-year-old to be having to take on. Having to 
have all these stories written about you and everything is going to be blown up because you're Zion Williamson. You're expected to be the next, the next great athlete. You're not just expected to be the great next great basketball player. You're supposed to be the, like the, the next iconic athlete. You're supposed to be that dude who, who everybody now puts at the throne, LeBron James, the athlete that everybody looks at. When you think of athletes today, who do you think of first? LeBron James. That's in, in, in most cases in the American world. Now, obviously, we can talk about Cristiano Ronaldo and, and Messi and, and um, Roger Federer. And, you know, international way, it could be different. But as far as America and our little bubble that we live in with American sports, it's probably LeBron James. And, you know, Zion Williamson is supposed to be the next guy. I mean, like I told you guys before, I think I told it when we were talking about who's the next iconic athlete. I said Zion Williamson. And they said that he's projected to be the next billion dollar athlete. If you guys don't know, there's only three, like, no, I believe there's four billion dollar athletes. I believe it's LeBron James, Floyd Mayweather, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods. That's it. You're talking about four of some of the most iconic athletes to have ever, you know, done any sort of sport whatsoever. And Zion Williamson is supposed to be the next billion dollar athlete. Do you know how marketable he's going to be? if this turns into anything what people expect it to turn into. But what I would caution, and I get it, we're a media outlet over here in Sideline Saturdays and we're gonna cover Zion Williamson as well as we cover just about every every rookie that's doing great things in the league. We'll talk about John Morant, we'll talk about um, an RJ Barrett or a Darius Garland, Jared Culver, what all those guys are doing in the league right now. But with Zion, just, the one thing that has to be preached, the same people that are seeing your praises as of right now will switch up on you really quickly and act as if they created none of this hype that you never asked for. I don't think Zion Williamson wants all this. He doesn't want all the attention. He seems like a really, really selfless kind of guy and a team guy. He doesn't want all that attention being put on him necessarily. And the people that are putting all that attention on him as soon as he does bad, as soon as he does bad in a game, misses a game-winning shot, misses a few game-winning shots, has a few bad games, or teams start exploiting his weaknesses and, you know, things start getting a little shady for him, the media in general, media outlets, meaning big media outlets, mainstream media outlets, are going to turn on him and act as if they didn't create any of the hype that he originally got. That's what needs to be preached, and that's the thing that's scary to me for him. As far as college athletes that I've seen <clears throat> normally I don't watch college basketball guys I just don't but there's only been a few athletes who have made me be like no I got to record this game even if I miss the game live I need to record this because I have to watch this dude play or I got to watch this team play one of those is Zion Williamson the other one being Trey Young the only probably if I'm not mistaken the only two athletes that I can remember in recent time for me that I've watched at the tender age of 20 that I can remember who Every time they had a game, I had to watch them play. Zion Williamson, one of those guys, Trey Young being the other guy. Normally, what I like to tell people, my policy with college basketball players, when you're as dominant as a Ja Moran, when you're as dominant as a Trey Young, and when you're as dominant as a Zion Williamson was in college, meaning you, everybody was talking about you, you took the college basketball season over like by storm, you know what I mean? That player is, you expect that player to probably be a superstar level player in the NBA or something to that effect. And you're seeing it right now. Trey Young is an all-star starter in just his second year in the NBA. And I can remember, like I said, 
first only player in NCAA history to average, I mean, to lead the league, to lead the nation in points per game and assists per game. And I remember people saying, well, he's going to be a bust. I'm like, but how? College basketball is only a half step to a step behind the NBA. So if he's doing this at 18 years old as a freshman, when he gets his feet wet and when the game starts to slow down for him a little bit, he's going to take off. And right now he's doing his thing for Atlanta, Ja Morant. People are want him to be an all-star. People are saying he should be an all-star this year. And I'm sure in the coming years, he will be an all-star. He's an incredible basketball player. And I feel the same for Zion Williamson. Once he really, it might be faster than even those two guys. But once his feet get wet, once he, the game starts to slow down a little bit mentally for him, he, I feel like he's going to take off. Like, take the hell off. One of the things, some of the other things that I really, one of the other things that I noticed from the game that was, um, that was pretty cool was just his his overall the attention that he was getting was astounding whenever he got the ball everybody was looking at him like every they had i remember one time he drove in the lane and four spurs were in the lane looking at him trying to contest his shot everybody on the outside is open i was like dude he's a rookie and he's drawing all this attention like teams understand what type of damage he can do on the inside, how much of an impact he can have on these games, and they're already planning to attack him. And of course, everybody saw, he scored 17 straight points in the fourth quarter out of his 22, hitting four three-pointers in a row in the process. So if that shot can become consistent for him, now of course, I don't expect him to hit four three-pointers tonight, I don't expect him to hit four threes tonight, but if he can make that a threat, oh man, woof. The sky's the limit for the guy, because that was an incredible, I was screaming in my house, bro. I was screaming, I'm glad nobody was there. And it was just me. I was screaming. I was yelling. I was running around. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, it's one of the it's the craziest debut from an NBA player I've ever seen personally. It's crazy, and just the experience overall, the way the fans were reacting to him and every shot that he made. Like after the second three, everybody was going bananas, and the announcers were going. But everybody was everybody was just losing their mind, including me. And I probably shouldn't have been losing my mind like that, but I was in the moment. I was caught up. It was it was just it was cool, really really cool to see him get. But the attention that he was getting on the it was. It was crazy, like with the spurt, that the way that they were playing him. Because the first time, I think Lamarcus Aldridge got him on the baseline, or on the cor- in the corner. Zion Williamson went baseline because Lamarcus Aldridge was too far up on him, blew right by him, got the foul um, after trying and after attempting a layup. Then the next time, every time down the court, they stayed near the free throw line against him because they didn't want to be. He's got an explosive first step. And speaking of the explosiveness, like the way he gets up off these second jumps and third jumps. It, it, He's going to be averaging, I feel like he's going to be averaging 10 plus rebounds a night or pretty close to that. He's the first one to the ball. He's the first one reacting to the ball. And these are with NBA players. Like his reaction time and how quickly he gets off his feet is I've never seen a player get off their feet that fast before, like, or react that fast to the ball in any sort of instance. Like you haven't, you don't see that too many times. That's like something that you see the most explosive players in basketball to the most reactionary players in basketball do, but you don't normally see that from a rookie. He's like a, he's literally a football player playing, but literally a football player playing basketball, and he's ahead of his time in terms of like athleticism and just the physical tools that he has in place. Like there aren't too many NBA players. Pro- there's probably with his measurements and his physical, nobody in NBA history. And one thing, last thing on this topic that I really want to say, besides that he had a a pretty memorable debut that people are going to talk about, you know, probably. Probably till the dude retires, like they'll talk about it from this, in a, whether in a positive light or in a negative. They're gonna talk about it because it was a moment that 
everybody was waiting for. Everybody was watching this game. Everybody wanted to see what is Zion. Everybody, even the game before, I think Philly played the Raptors, and they weren't even talking. They, they were talking about Zion. <laughs> it was that crazy, dude. But um, the last thing, really, I think a lot of people like can't separate player from hype. You have fans who simply dislike a player a lot of times because the hype surrounding him. You don't necessarily dislike the player. You just don't like all the attention that athlete receives. It, uh, loose comparison. It's like if you were in school and you dislike the most popular kid in school. You don't dislike the kid necessarily. You just dislike that he's getting all that that person is getting all the attention and everybody likes them. You see what I'm saying? Like that's what usually happens. So when I hear people say yeah, Zion sucks and this, that, or the third, and I'm sitting there like, what do you mean? Like, you can't. I mean, clearly the kid can play basketball. You just. I feel like people fans analysts alike they need to start separating hype from the actual player you know what i'm saying so i feel like that's a part of the reason why people didn't like lebron it's not that lebron got obviously lebron's one of the greatest players to ever do it but i feel like all the hype all the attention he was getting everybody just didn't like that part about him and they're like man who is this dude he ain't all he ain't all he's cracked up to be he ain't all i don't even know why people talk about him like that but if people just watched it with a very sober perspective you would understand uh, the hype is a little bit exaggerated it's a little bit sensationalized that's how it is in the media world but you would understand a little bit more why the attention is being put on a player like that so often it's because of how special they are as athletes and i feel as those fans the message that i want to give out to fans that listen fan future fans that listen don't hate them for the hype look at them as a player from a sober perspective and evaluate but do not let hype attention that media gives to that athlete distort how you feel about an athlete because it happens too many times and i see it happen with zion williamson where people almost want him to fail because he's getting attention because people are talking about him so much and that's not the way to evaluate a player the right way especially from a fan's perspective if you're trying to be a fan that really keeps up with the game and understands the game at a high level i think it's important that every fan starts separating those two things because you're not evaluating the, the player from a sober perspective you're evaluating them based off of uh, the fact that you're a little bit maybe envious or you just dislike the fact that people are talking so much about this guy in a high light and you're like there's no way no way you know what i mean and that kind of has to go away because trust me there's some prospects coming in already now if you don't know what i'm talking about go look up imani bates and they're hyping this kid up he's 16 years old and i you know Look at him from a perspective of a basketball player and not necessarily from the perspective of, oh, he's the popular kid in school. He's getting all the attention. He doesn't deserve all that. He ain't even all that type of thing going on. You know what I mean? But as far as the, the, the oh yeah, no, one more thing, his weight. So I believe Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson caught some fire on ESPN for fat shaming a little bit. Like they, for fat shaming Zion Williamson a little bit, probably saying he's a little too big. Blah, 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 blah. I've heard plenty of people say he needs to lose weight. He needs to lose. Personally, I have the opposite opinion. I don't, I keep him at the same weight. Keep him at his advantage. 284, six foot six, foot six foot seven, whatever he is. I believe six foot six, 284, 285, whatever he is. And you would think, oh yeah, you got to lose weight. You can't, no, 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 no. Because first off, if you look at him, the dude's lean, muscular. He's not like he's, you know, it's not like he's flabby. He ain't chubby. He looks well conditioned and he looks like he's in shape as a basketball player. The other thing is, if people tell him to lose weight, what's the number one way you lose weight? 
going into a caloric deficit, right? Meaning you're eating less calories than your weight prescribes, than your weight normally has. That's how you lose weight normally. So if you eat, I don't know, like 3000 calories a day, maybe go half and 1500 or 1900, you know, something like that. That's how you would start losing weight. Well, if Zion Williamson does that, or if any person were to do that, when you go into a caloric deficit like that, and that's the way you lose weight, a lot of times your joints get weaker. So if you're telling him to lose weight and that's the way he loses his weight, then honestly, you're just, you're, you're giving him your, what's the word I want to use? You're making him more susceptible to knee injuries and ankle injuries and leg injuries. That's really what's happening. Go talk to, go look at uh, Paul Fabrics, a PJF performance basketball. He's a trainer for James Harden, Buddy Heald, like a few other players, like pretty, like players in the NBA that are known. And he talks about it um, on his podcast. Most of the time when somebody tries to lose weight or an NBA player loses, loses weight, they go into a caloric deficit. So if Zion Williamson are going to that, you're weakening his joints. And he's already super explosive and going up with so much force. If his joints are weakened, now he's more susceptible to injury. And nobody, fans, coaches, that organization, me, we don't want that to happen. So I feel as though keep him at the same weight. Make sure that his landing mechanics are proper, his biomechanics are proper, his running mechanics, walking, whatever. Make sure those things are proper, that he's landing correctly and not landing very stiff, and he should be fine throughout his career. Now, if somebody punches him in the nose tomorrow and breaks his nose, we can't do nothing about that, but we want to stop the serious ankle and knee issues from happening. And as far as the player that he is, I think he's going to have an incredible career, and we're going to be covering him all throughout this season, next season, the season after that. It'll be interesting to see where he goes as well, along with the other rookies as well so I'm, I'm really really excited you can't help but root for the dude he's got a charisma about him and I think that's where the marketability kind of comes from as well and I hope to see him do well and I hope to see him do great things like in the future stay tuned on sideline Saturdays guys because I'm getting into the meat potatoes a little bit I'm going to talk a little bit more expand on the narrative of shut up and dribble in the sports world, not just basketball, but in the sports world. And I'm gonna give reasons, more reasons as to why that's a dangerous rhetoric. Stay tuned. Back on Sideline Saturdays, and this is probably gonna be my favorite topic of the day. I mean, the Zion Williamson thing is fun. And of course, I'm going to get to the All-Star game next and expanding the All-Star game rosters. But this one is the most important one to me. And it's something I feel very, 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 very passionate about. And I want to give it a little sprinkle of some thought just because I, I gave a lot of it yesterday, like damn near 30 minutes of it. So I'm really not trying to spend too much time on it. But you never know how this conversation is going to go. I don't have a whole lot of notes on this. I just have my thoughts that I have gathered together. Um, and yesterday I talked about Kyrie Irving and I talked about the way that he's represented in the media, how players like Kevin Durant, even LeBron James, athletes in general are represented in the media and how they're, how they're deconstructed by the media and their characters can be assassinated sometimes in route to ratings, in route to more viewership and to push a narrative that's ultimately gonna get fans talking about the sport a little bit more, but in a negative light. And my case always is for athletes, especially basketball players. The media in general is about theatrics, 
It's about drama. It's about entertainment. It's like it's like the Kardashians, like while playing basketball. It's really it's Bad Girls Club uh, type type shit going on. You get what I'm saying? Real entertainment, real drama, a whole lot of the actors going on, and sometimes even lying, twisting of people's words in order to get more views and more ratings. And in my opinion, that's wrong. And in this case, with Kyrie Irving. As I said yesterday, what he said about his teammates, the glaring weakness, da da da, that's not something you say out to the media. That's not something you say at all. But my issue came with the Dr. Martin Luther King comments that he made and how he expressed himself and in the way that ESPN and FS1 talked about it as if the comments actually matter. <laughs> like as if this is going to destroy basketball or something the fact that he's saying this i feel as though that's taking shots at kyrie irving and that's taking unnecessary shots at his character when you're just based when he's talking about how the media deconstructs him instead of course when you're talking to the media and you're criticizing the media the media is not about to agree with you you know what i'm saying so they're they're not about to agree with you so maybe kyrie irving should have been smarter on that end of things but it doesn't take away from the immoral immoral like compass of the people that are running in the media right now and i don't respect how they how they ask these athletes controversial questions baiting them into giving them sound bites and then when they give them something in the ballpark of that or even twisting up somebody's words and then they'll go on tv the next day and talk about and criticize the response that that person gave that's stupid that's disgusting that's nasty that's 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 dumb. And especially in basketball, not even especially football, basketball, any of these things, sometimes they talk about stuff that just doesn't matter to the game exactly. You're just trying to get more people to dislike this player. Either that's what it is, or you have character problems. And you don't like talking about basketball. You're not here for the game. You're here for the theatrics. You're here for the entertainment. You're here for the drama. You're here for the play. You don't like to see the real, you don't like to see the real basketball. You don't like to critique actual basketball going on and the real skill levels of these players. And that's where I have a problem with analysts sometimes. It's not that people don't, it's not that people who haven't played basketball can't understand basketball or talk basketball, mm -hmm. but it's bad when 95% of the people that haven't played basketball talk about it to other basketball players and act like they know what they're really talking about. Like, what are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. Nigga, I'm the one that played. Like, like you're, you're talking to NBA players, like, and you're trying to give them an explanation of how basketball is played when they've been playing it their entire lives. Does that make any sense to anybody? It doesn't make much sense to me. If I'm a millionaire, I, let's say you're a millionaire or a billionaire. Say you're a millionaire or a billionaire, you're rich as hell. And I come up to you, I'm making 30000 a year, 40000 a year, and I'm like, hey, bro, like, you know, I know you, I know you're rich and all. I know you... I know you make millions. I know you're doing your thing over there, but this is how you save. This is how you save your money. This is how you invest. And you looking at me like, uh, oh, oh, so uh, why didn't why didn't you do that with your money then? Why didn't you? How come? How come? Like you get what? I, you don't tell. You can't tell somebody that's really. You really can't do that. That's not. No, it doesn't work that way. In cases, it can work, and sometimes it's sound advice. Most of the time, though, in, a, in the basketball world, when somebody who hasn't played basketball or played it at some sort of high at some sort of high level, when they talk about it, they don't know what they're talking about. It. They know they don't. I said they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're talking about. Save my friend, my friend Dakota. He knows what the fuck he's talking about. My friend Frank knows what the fuck he's talking about. BJ knows what the fuck he's talking about. Most of y'all, though, that's in the industry actually and does this stuff for a living and talks about it and just likes to bring up numbers and, and throw them out at people like goddamn frisbees 
you don't know what you're talking about. But that's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. We're trying to help people out a little bit, understand what basketball, football, what everything is really, what, what this stuff really is and how this stuff should be evaluated on an everyday basis. But that's the issue I had with the media. Now, as far as the shut up and dribble narrative that I talked about on last episode, where I felt as if fans, analysts are trying to get athletes to shut up and dribble. I just want to expand on that a little bit. I feel like sports is another, yet another avenue for control in this country. And I can remember one specific example. I remember Jalen Brown, um, an unnamed NBA executive, saying that Jalen Brown was too smart for the league prior to the 2016 NBA draft. Now, Jalen Brown ended up getting drafted number three overall to the Celtics, and you see what he's done so far. Like I said, I think he should be an all-star this year. The way he's been playing, I feel like he should be on the all-star team. But that statement, Jalen Brown is too smart for the league, that has some racial undertone to it. Like, it's almost like, if, if that doesn't tell you, that kind of tells you what the higher-ups expect of NBA players. Or, I'm sorry, not even NBA players, scratch that, athletes. The higher-ups want these athletes to stay at a, at, a, at, a, at a certain level of intelligence and not speak their mind, not show their personality, not question things. They're, to me, they're, they're, there's a racial undertone in talking like that. There's a racial undertone in speaking, making statements like that. There's a level of control in that statement that's existed in sports, in the sports world, since its emergence. Actually, since sports started. So think about that. Jalen Brown's draft stock was potentially going to be dropped because he's a critical thinker and will speak his mind. That's shut up and dribble vibes. Or, as that's what we'll call it around here, on side, that's what I'll call it around here, sideline Saturdays, whenever I hear of something like that, that's shut up and dribble vibes. Or, or, oppressive thinking yeah that word that that little phrase that i used last time oppressive thinking telling athletes to shut up and control and control them from that wanting to 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 control them and their freedom to speak as human beings even though that's that's their right and jalen brown's a smart dude absolutely but to sit here and not draft him because you say he's too smart that is that is like that's, that kind of reminds me of kind of like the capitalistic world that we live in a little bit where the rich leech off the poor. It kind of, it just, it just, it kind of reminds me too much of that. And in that case, that's a scary rhetoric you're running with when you're telling athletes that they should be quiet or that they should just play ball or let your ball do the talking or this, that, or, you know what I'm saying? When you have that platform, you should want to speak your mind. When you have that platform, and you've worked as hard to get to where you are as somebody like Jalen Brown or Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant or LeBron James or Dwayne Wade or a, uh, a Kawhi Leonard or, Paul, you know, any of Stephen Curry, any one of these guys, you should have just as much of a right as anybody to speak your mind on whatever you want to say. As long as you are not harming people, as long as you are not stepping on toes, there shouldn't be too much of an issue and there shouldn't be all this character assassination for athletes when they say something outside of basketball that shouldn't be a thing in the world that shouldn't be in nowhere nowhere and especially in athletics when you're supposed to be covering the game when you're supposed to be telling people who may not know as much what to what to look for in athletes what to look for in basketball games or football games or baseball games or hockey games or soccer games or tennis games you're not supposed to be talking about what and basketball players said about Martin Luther King. That's no, 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 no. That's you attempting to assassinate somebody's character and looking to provide a narrative in order to make people dislike Kyrie Irving. 
and you're making a narrative in order to, for people to dislike or not draft Jalen Brown. You're keeping athletes down. You're keeping their voice hidden. There's a certain marginalization to that when it comes to not wanting athletes to speak their mind. And I'm sure Jalen Brown has more than enough common sense to know there's even within that context, there's certain things that I just can't say. Like, I can't say that Jason Tatum like you sucks. I can't say stuff like that. Right. That's dividing a locker room. But if he wants to speak his mind on a social issue, if he wants to speak his mind on how the media talks about him, especially if he's correct, then he should have every single right to do that and not be thrown into the fire for telling the truth about something or wanting to strive to be something. Like I said yesterday, I feel like Kyrie Irving was trying to say, trying to, is trying to aspire to be something like Martin Luther King, which I feel like more African-Americans and people should, in general should want to try to look for. There's another one, another phrase in sports that kind of just, not just a too smart or talks too much or shut up and another one, athletes, you should be grateful. You should be grateful to be here. Athletes should be grateful for the chance to make billions of dollars. That statement suggests that athletes are getting something they don't deserve. It's like we're just paying you out of the wind because out of the like the owners are paying the players out of the goodness of their heart, out of the kindness of their heart, just because they feel like it. Oh yeah, I want to be nice today, so I want to give you guys money. Something they didn't. It's like they're 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 paying them something they didn't earn. Like they don't generate million mil, scratch that, not even millions. Billions of dollars for their organizations. You're giving me money back that you owe me. That's all that is. So to tell me that you should be grateful, that's racial undertone within itself too. And it's not cool to say to athletes. And one of the biggest cases you could talk about is Colin Kaepernick. You should be grateful. You shouldn't be kneeling. You're disrespecting the flag. You're, you're disrespecting America and the troops and this, that, or the third. When Colin Kaepernick had explained that what he was doing was not to deface the military. It was not to disrespect anybody. He said he's doing it because there are problems in this country with African-Americans, police brutality, systematic racism, oppression, racial wealth gap. That's why he's kneeling. So all the people that kept saying, well, you're disrespecting the flag, well, you're doing this, well, you're doing that. All you're doing is you're trying to push away his message because you think it's more important to talk about him disrespecting the flag. You just don't, you're just ignoring the real issues. You're uncomfortable talking about police brutality. You're uncomfortable talking about systematic oppression. You're uncomfortable talking about all the things that are in this world that minorities deal with. And instead of, of, of targeting that and discussing that and, convert, and, having, and conversing with that, you want to talk about the flag. When Colin Kaepernick already told you he's not disrespecting the flag. He simply wants people to hear him in a very peaceful and, might I say, successful way. Just because you are making millions and at the top of your craft doesn't mean that you don't have the right to speak your mind or speak about injustice. And that's where this shut up and dribble thing is just it gets scary at a certain point because people are like, well, you make millions of dollars. Why are you complaining? And it, it, it's, it's going backwards, in my opinion, because you guys are acting like Colin Kaepernick, Kyrie Irving, like all these top athletes. They just drink a magic potion and all of a sudden they're they're these crazy good athletes now. Of course, they were born with God given abilities. That's true. Some more than others. Absolutely. But to get to where you are, to be that one percent, actually less than one percent, which is what Kyrie Irving represents, what Kevin Durant represents, less than one percent to get to that level. You got to work every single motherfucking day.
every single day, nonstop, more than even other professional athletes are working to get to that level. So for people to sit there and say, well, you're making millions, you're sitting on a boat, da, 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 you shouldn't be talking. I worked to get all this, or matter of fact, they worked to get all this. They have just as much a right as you do to talk. If they want to talk, if they so choose to talk, they've earned it. Because nobody remembers all them times where they were sitting in the gym by themselves when nobody when nobody was around, the ball was bouncing. All you hear was the ball bouncing, nobody talking, and they didn't have any money. They got to where they were by earning it every single day and earning respect on the court, on the field, on the practice court, every single motherfucking day, every day. That still doesn't change. When you get to the league, there's even more work you got to get got to put into get to where Kyrie Irving has gotten to. It shouldn't be that now because I'm at the top of my craft because of all the hard work I put in, I deserve to be disrespected or my privacy deserves to be invaded or I deserve to be invaded in terms of my character. That shouldn't be the case with athletes. And it shouldn't be the case with any person. I'm not talking about just people that work, you know, quote unquote, regular jobs or not quote unquote, you know, nine, nine to five jobs or anything like that. It's the same thing for them. That shouldn't be happening. Nobody should take away anybody's right to speak. And it shouldn't happen to athletes. And that's that whole idea of athletes are dumb or they're not intelligent or they just don't need to speak because they should only be wanting to play basketball and entertain all of us like they some damn clowns or something. Or they some damn zoo animals. That's not cool. That ain't fair. That's not how this works. And continually on this show, I will continue to push that. And the bigger this platform gets, the more I will continue to speak on how athletes get mistreated by certain people in the media, by certain experts, fans, quote unquote, analysts, because it simply just speaks to the problems. It's a, it's a microcosm of the problems that we have in this country and they need to be solved. And I feel like sports is one of the ways that you can, that you can solve one of those issues and it can be a big thing because sports brings people together it's positivity all around it's a way for people to get away it's escapism in a way right but we need to understand and what i was expanding on and what i was talking about on tuesday fuck it's it's sideline saturdays i'm doing this on a friday it's freaky friday and i'm talking about sideline saturday anyway that doesn't need to that can't that can't be that can't be our rhetoric that can't be the narrative no matter what. If there's an athlete that's harming people, that is harming any individuals on their team, stepping on people's whatever, okay. Understandable. Understandable. I don't think Kyrie Irving is harming anybody by doing what he's doing. I don't think Kevin Durant is harming anybody by doing what he's doing. He's simply, they're simply telling the truth and being transparent and trying to be themselves when they're so boxed into just being an athlete and they don't talk they just smile and be on Wheaties boxes all damn day and and pose for Gatorades Gatorade commercials and Nike commercials and barely say and barely have any type of vocabulary that's what an athlete's supposed to be apparently you're not supposed to be smart that's not what the ideal athlete is the ideal athlete just smiles at the camera all day long and says well we played a great game and da 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 and doesn't want to show their real personality. That's the type of box I'm talking about. And I'll continue to preach about that box till whenever. Because that's the way I see it. Now, 
like I said, I didn't want to put too much into that segment. I didn't want to like go all 30 minutes, 40 minutes delving deep into this topic. I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of what I'm, what I was a little bit more of what I was referring to last time when I was talking about Kyrie Irving on episode 10 and the whole shut up and dribble narrative kind of thing going on. But next on Sideline Saturdays in my last segment for the show, I'm tired of shit, bro. And I feel like it's getting hot than a mother. I feel like I done did like a workout at Planet Fitness or some shit. My last segment for tonight. I want to talk about the All-Star game and the expansion of the roster that's coming up next. Stay tuned. Back for the last segment tonight of Sideline Saturdays. I hope you guys have enjoyed so far. The first two topics pretty highly debated inside the NBA. Two things that I definitely wanted to give a lot of a little bit of a message to. And this one I feel just as strongly is about it's the All-Star game this year in February. The West All-Star starters for this year. LeBron James being the captain. Anthony Davis. Luka Doncic, James Harden, Kawhi. Have no issues with that whatsoever. Every single one of them deserves to be a starter. The East, Giannis Antetokounmpo representing the captain in the East, representing the captain of the East All-Stars, Joel Embiid at center, Pascal Siakam, Kemba Walker, and Trey Young. No problems with that one whatsoever either. Everybody that's starting on the East and the West deserve to be there. What I have an issue with, is when reserves come in. See, every year in the All-Star, All-Star game, you're, or leading up to the All-Star game, you always have All-Star snubs. And to me, All-Star snubs shouldn't exist. That shouldn't be a thing. That shouldn't be possible in this league. Every single player that has consideration to be an All-Star, especially when you're talking about some of the All-Star snubs over the years, And the most famous one I will bring up, Damian Lillard. So everybody knows that the All-Star game has 12-man rosters. It's pretty pretty small considered, like, you know, regular team size roster, 12. 12, um, 12 players. One issue I have with that, only having 12 players. It's the All-Star game, guys. It's not that serious. I think people want the All-Star game to be like... The, the, the Super Bowl, they want it to be the finals, a finals preview or something. Believe it or not, fans, expert out and analyst, the All-Star game is like a break for those players. It's a mid-season break. That's what it, it's called All-Star break, guys. It's 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 literally a break for the players. It's time for them to mentally like mentally just sleep a little bit, mentally just get out of their own way a little bit, not be so jammed up in their mind with all the things going on with traveling, with games, back to backs constant practices, working out, keeping your body fresh. It's a time for you to be able to mentally rest, physically rest a little bit, enjoy yourself, have a little bit of fun for a few days. That's what it is for NBA players. And if that's the case, and of course you have the festivities involved in it as well, all the competitions being the three-point competition, the dunk competition, the skills competition. You have the Rising Stars game going on, um, World versus Team USA, and that's always fun to watch. You have a celebrity game going on. It's supposed to be fun. It's exciting. It's thrilling. But most of all, fun. And I think, like, shortening the all-star game rosters to just 12 men does not do justice for guys like Damian Lillard, who have been kept out of the all-star game 
two years when there's no possible way in hell that that Damian Lillard should be kept out of the All-Star game or any most players that get snubbed it shouldn't have to be a oh is it this guy or is it this guy who's gonna be on the All-Star just put both of them on it's not that one doesn't deserve to be an All-Star both of them do but because the rosters don't aren't expanded to 13 14 15. now of course we're not doing 20-man rosters obviously there's only a certain amount of time in the game that everybody can play right and you don't want to have these like confusing ass rotations and da 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 all right but when it comes to it i think the nba needs to be a little bit more lenient and guys being able to get in the all-star game because when i throw off these numbers of damian lillard's to you in 2015 2016 and 2016 2017 you're like there's no way he shouldn't have been an all-star no but he wasn't though the crazy part he wasn't an all-star so 2015 2016 he gets snubbed the ultimate decision was for adam silvers between damian lillard demarcus cousins that year damian lillard averaged 25 points per game and seven assists the portland trailblazers were not a bad team at all actually they were in playoff contention if i'm not mistaken but the fact that he was averaging 25 points seven assists a game that should be enough to be an all-star player. That doesn't, it doesn't, it shouldn't have to be, well, then, no, just put them both on the all-star team. Instead, what they did, they chose DeMarcus Cousins, who averaged 27 points a night, or that, that season, and 11 and a half rebounds. Great numbers as well, but are you telling me Damian Lillard didn't have great numbers? Or are you saying, well, DeMar, you know, it's, we don't want to play that game, especially when it comes to all-star appearances. These things matter to players. And when a guy like Damian Lillard comes around and he's doing everything possible to be on that team, doing everything that he possibly can, working hard, playing on the court, producing for his team every night, he deserves the recognition just as much as DeMarcus Cousins does, or just as much as a lot of those reserves on the West team are. The next year, 2016-2017, he ended up averaging 27 points per game, six assists on 44% shooting from the field and 37% from three. Is that not an all-star? Instead... He got snubbed, and I think I believe Clay and Russell Westbrook got in over him. Not saying Russell Westbrook and Kevin and, and Clay Thompson shouldn't have been in. Russell Westbrook averaged a triple double that year. That was his MVP season. Clay Thompson, I believe, averaged 21 points a game that season. Incredible too. They they both all three of them should be on. It shouldn't have to be a since we only got 12 people. This isn't this isn't I got this isn't a serious type of uh, or uh, this isn't a serious type of deal going on. It's the All Star game, guys. It's All Star break. It's supposed to be fun. It's exciting. You see it all the time. Players are laughing. They're having fun. They're doing all types of trick moves, crazy dunks. It's not a lot of defense being played out there. And ultimately, you're messing with the players' Hall of Fame credentials at that point, right? Because all-star appearances matter for Hall of Fame credentials. And the Hall of Fame matters to most players that play in the NBA. They have their sights set on not even just being an all-star, but being in the Hall of Fame one day. And when you sit there and say, well, you had all-star numbers, but you weren't an all-star this year, people are going to be like, what? Like, And that's messing with people and their legacy as players and ultimately what they'll be looked at later on in the career, which matters to a lot of players. It's not just about going out there and playing basketball. They want to be recognized for what they do. And with Dane Lillard, the fact that he put up such great numbers and couldn't be recognized for it those two years... That should never happen to any player whatsoever. And if people want to challenge kind of the, what I'm saying right now and say, well, that's soft, that's this, that's that. At the end of the day, it's not that when you're comparing two great players, right? If you're comparing two great players who are having two amazing seasons, what's the point 
and not putting them both in the game where they're recognized as some of the best players in the NBA. Because I'm sure in player rankings, when they came out with player rankings on ESPN or all these other websites that have player rankings, they had Damian Lillard at the top, top 10, top 15, top 20, but he wasn't an all-star. What sense does that make? That there's no sense in that whatsoever. That shouldn't be possible. And this year, the all-star game's being held in Chicago. And I feel like Zach Levine has done enough this year playing for the Chicago Bulls, the production he's had, the games that he's put up, some of the crazy games he's put up, shooting, the production, the efficiency he's put on, the day, the how consistent he is in his game for the most part, he should be he should deserve his first ever All-Star game appearance this year. But I'm afraid he's not going to be able to get in and it might be on something like, well, we want one guy to get in. We can't choose to sort of thing. And it should never be that way. Expand it. Tough 14. Tough 15. Shit, shit, 13. I don't care. To get that one extra guy in? Yes, do it. It's important. And I know Adam Silver's pushing for that, but the rest of the owners don't want to do it. For whatever reason, I have no clue. Somebody needs to talk to them. Somebody needs to get them help. Because that's some that's straight BS. That's cow, that's cow shit right there. You should you need to let these players who deserve to be in be in. And I know he's trying to expand it, but it needs to be expanded. Another guy who needs to be in on the East is Spencer Dinwiddie. Jalen Brown needs to be in the All-Star game. The way he's been playing this year for the Boston Celtics, I've mentioned it enough times. <laughs> he's been playing great. Spencer Dinwiddie, when, when, when Kyrie Irving was out and they needed a go-to score, he's dropping 30 balls, he's dropping 40 balls consistently on a night, night-to-night basis. Spencer Dinwiddie deserves to be an All-Star. It shouldn't necessarily be about record because one player cannot control sometimes it's just not there for you overall as a team but that player the consistency with which they play with the production they have the efficiency that they bring to the floor and what they come out every single night that deserves all-star recognition you saw what they did with Trey Young this year now it shouldn't take a player like Trey Young who's averaging about 29 points a game and almost an eight, eight assists a game it shouldn't take a person putting up such gaudy numbers like that for people to be like, oh yeah, he should be an all-star. That shouldn't be the case. Zach Levine is doing great in his own right and shooting the ball incredibly well from the field, especially from three this year. Really improved his three-point percentages. He should be in there. Spencer Dinwiddie, a guy like that, should be in there. There should be no Kumsi, well, the scale, well, he did this, but he did this, and he did this, and it, no, if it's, if it's really a comparable thing like that, put both of them in the game. It makes it more enjoyable. It makes it more fun because certain players in certain franchises need to be represented. That franchise's player needs to be represented. Me and my friend were talking about it yesterday. And he was talking about how I have at least one player from, what was it? One player from each team gets represented in the All-Star game. I thought that was a, I thought that was a decent idea. I don't know if I'd necessarily go for it. I feel like just expanding the rosters overall would be a, like a beautiful thing because you just get less snubs. And when you're talking, it's not that Damian Lillard, but because he didn't make the all-star team, all of a sudden Damian Lillard's not an all-star? No, he's an all-star player. And a lot of times an MVP caliber player doesn't get the recognition he deserves from that end of end of things. It's just that now we're trying to, it shouldn't, that should never be the case whatsoever. So my call to the NBA, expand the all-star rosters. It needs to happen sooner rather than later. Like I'm talking about, 2022 that needs to be in place at least by then i know it's not going to be in there this year probably not next year maybe not even 2022 but sometime three four five years from now down the line that needs to happen it's important 
because players want to be recognized for how well they do and sometimes they get frustrated if they're not out there being recognized in a game that they should be in that's like if you got if you didn't get the recognition for something that you clearly deserved think about that think of any profession that you were in and you didn't get the recognition you deserved and people whether you like it or not people can be like well i don't need recognition people want recognition it's part of ego guys it's part of ego that's what runs that's what runs through people ego so of course they want to be they want to feel they want to feel they want to feel recognized they want to feel like they've achieved something been successful at something when they've worked hard to get to that point it's just part of who we are as people expand it to personally my 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 num my pinpoint number would probably be 14 14 15 i'm looking at something around there but i'll take 13 as long as somebody as long as you're allowing players to get that opportunity to do to get in that game it's important Whew. and i think that's Anything else I want to, is there anything else I want to say? Today is January. Ain't nothing really going on. It's snowing like a motherfucker outside. And it's, yeah, the mood isn't, the mood isn't all that bright. But this, I hope you guys have enjoyed. This is, I really got to start remembering these numbers. The 11th episode of Sideline Saturdays. Now, I need y'all to go on Twitter. Sideline Saturdays, it literally, if you type it in capital S, Sidelines capital S Saturdays it's always the same thing that's on Twitter that's on Spotify that's on Anchor and that's on YouTube Apple Music will not feature us because I think we I think I cuss too much I gotta I gotta fucking get rid I mean I gotta I gotta yeah you know but anyway Twitter Spotify Anchor YouTube we are all on there go check us out subscribe follow us check us out on Anchor if you really want to I just got my Anchor wallet up so look <laughs> The money needs to start flowing. I feel like Rick. I need to start feeling like Rick Ross around here. DJ Cal. I need to start making me some moolah. You get what I'm saying? Check us out on there. If you ever want to get us on Twitter with some questions or debate, we do that type of stuff. Just don't be malicious with your comments. We don't need to get personal in here. And if you guys, when this channel, when the our platform starts going up a little bit, when this podcast starts going up for real, like going, going way up, you know what I'm saying? We're going to have more people who we get to talk to on an everyday basis. And if you guys have questions, if there's something that you want us to talk about on the show, want me to give an opinion on and Dakota to give an opinion on, you let us know. We will talk about it as long as it's not something that's creepy or weird or inappropriate in any sort of way, shape or form. I don't want to talk about, you know, weird shit. We don't do that. We don't do that over here. We're not trying to get demonetized. Okay. But that is the 11th episode of Sidelines Saturdays. I'm your host, Jelani Smith, 20 years old, communications major out of South Suburban College. I'm signing out and I'll see you for episode 12.